Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Welcome to Generation Church. Are you guys excited to be here today? My name is Pastor Ben, and I want to welcome you. Man, we have an awesome church. Can we just give it up for our praise team and our teams and everybody here? So glad you guys are... uh are here to experience what God wants to do. Man, I'm excited to start this new series this weekend called And. Uh, It's a series about living life balance. Everybody say, life is better with balance. Say that with me. And and so God has designed for us within the kingdom of heaven the ability to be balanced, to take the the parts and pieces of the kingdom of God and live them out in everyday life. And so I want to welcome you to this series. Can we welcome all those joining us by video? So glad you guys have tuned in. So life is better with balance. You ever met somebody who who was... uh, kind of an extremist, you know, not like the Unabomber or anything, but, uh, but somebody who is like his extreme personality, like they're really high strung. Somebody just wound their rubber bands a little too tightly and they're just about to pop veins and their head sticking out. Or have you met somebody else on the other extreme where, you know, you wonder like, is there a heartbeat in there? Hello, McFly, anybody home? Sometimes we, we get into this place in life where um, we get polarized. Life by its very nature is polarizing. And sometimes we can find ourselves in one extreme or the other. And the reality about the kingdom of God is that Jesus died so you wouldn't have to live in one extreme or the other. Jesus died so that you could live a life of peace that is balanced, that's not up and down, not, not the roller coaster of an emotional high this day and an emotional low of that day and, and torn up on the inside and everything just erect. just feels like somebody is just shaking your box of rocks. Don't shake my box of rocks. Leave them alone. Find ourselves sometimes in this place of just a polarizing event and we find ourselves going from one ditch to the other ditch. How many guys know every road has two ditches? Every road has two ditches and both of those ditches are bad. See, the Bible tells us that we can live out the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Well, the perfect will of God is to be right in the middle of God's will for your life, not torn from this side or that side. So I want to talk to you about and, because the kingdom of God is not either or, it is and. It's not prosperity or stewardship, it's prosperity and stewardship. It's not mercy or truth, it's mercy and truth. And so in the kingdom of God, that we have have the ability to balance out the principles of the kingdom. You ever met these people that kind of get off in one area of Christianity and they're so dogmatic and, and you can't even talk to them because everything that comes out of their mouth is on this extreme. You just want to like, in Jesus name, like put your hands around and just choke just a little bit, just, just a smidge, not enough to actually hurt them and sin, but just, just enough to be like, wake up, dude. Come on, you're so legalistic, you're driving me crazy, or you're so licentious, you you don't know what's going on. See, God wants to help us get to this place of balance in life. Now, this series is not about yin and yang, uh, whoever those guys are. it's, It's not about good and evil or heaven or hell. This is about balance within the kingdom. There is no balance of yin and yang. It's it's all Jesus. It always has been Jesus. It always will be Jesus. The devil is already defeated. He's gonna end up in the lake of fire anyway. 
So it's not about that. It's about balance within the kingdom of heaven, allowing our lives to, to be in the middle of what Jesus died to provide for us. Paul told Timothy that we have to learn how to be a, an approved worker who studies the scripture, who has rightly divided the word of truth, who has taken the, the truth of the kingdom of God and has, has made their way right into the middle of that. See, Jesus gave us a great example. I was reading in scripture and in John chapter two and verse 15, it says that Jesus came into the temple court and there were money changers there. And, 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 you know, we kind of have Jesus in our mind, like he floats in, you know, and he's on this cloud and he's all sweet and it's like a velvet robe. And, you know, there's a little bit of light that shines from behind his head. And, and so Jesus comes into the temple court and he is mad. And he looks at these guys, and they're money-changing in the temple court. They've made a, a court of commerce out of the courts of our God. And, and the Bible says in 2.15 of, of the book of John that Jesus started making a cord of whips. And he started weaving these things together. Jesus, sweet little Jesus, the lamb. Just pet the head just a little bit. The lamb makes a cord of whips. And the Bible says he comes over, and he karate kicks yeah, the, the tables down. Not really karate kick, but... He kicked them down. And, and he turns the money and he starts whipping people out of the temple court. That's pretty extreme. But then the Bible says in John 12 and 35 that Jesus looked at the city of Jerusalem and he wept. He wept. See, Jesus knew how to balance the season, he knew how to balance the moment, how to balance the opportunity. He knew when it was the right time. To have holy anger, but he also knew when it was the right time to shed tears. And sometimes in our lives, we get caught in one side or the other. Sometimes we get caught in a place of, of just anger, or we get caught in a place of extremism. Maybe we get caught in a place of, of over-emotional life and living. But the kingdom of God is not about those extremes. The kingdom of God is about the middle middle of the road. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, if you'll turn there with me, chapter 5. I was studying this a few years ago, and um, I like to look words up in the Greek. It's the original text, just to get a, a greater level of understanding. And if you're visiting this weekend, you, you probably don't know this, but I'm a chemist by trade. I, I used to work in the pharmaceutical industry, and I used to work in research. I did open-heart surgery on pigs, so um, if, you, uh, if you have a little heart pain, just let me know. I've got some kitchen knives at home, and we'll, just, we'll take right good care of you, and um, right good care of you. You believe I said that? Right good. That's right out of Tennessee. We'll take good care of you. Uh, anyway, so I, I, in my brain, I am, I'm a person who is driven by just uh, the, the elemental parts of life. I'm a chemist by nature. And so I look at, at life, and, and you know, I look out here, and I don't see people. I just see molecules sitting in, in chairs, <laughs> and not really. Um, but, but I view life and I view the kingdom in a very balanced way. And I, I view just life, the elements that, that God created to come together to make who we are, the atoms that make us up, all that kind of stuff. And I was studying in scripture, and I was so pleased to, to read this. In the book of Hebrews 5 and verse 12, it says, For though by this time we ought to be teachers... We need someone to teach us again the first principles. Now, underline that in your Bible, the first principles of the oracles of God. The oracles of God are just the word of God. 
And you have come to need milk, like a baby, and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he or she is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised both to discern good and evil. And as I was studying this scripture and looking these words up in the Greek, I looked up the word principles. And it is the Greek word storkion. Anybody have any idea what that word means? Storkion, ever heard that before? Okay, I'm the only science nerd in the whole house. Uh, one, one person wave at me, just, I see you, Shelby County, back there. Um, storkion is where we get the word storkiometry. Anybody ever heard that word before? A few more nerds. Great. I love it. Um, welcome, welcome, nerds. Um, <laughs> we get this word stoichiometry. Now, if you're a chemist, this makes sense to you or you're a science person, it makes sense to you because the word stoichiometry is the word for balance as it relates to uh, elements or atoms or things of, of a building block kind of nature. So, so things in life, they have to balance themselves out. See, nature abhors a vacuum. It hates it. If you take food coloring and you drip some food coloring in a glass of water, that food coloring is going to begin to distribute itself equally, balanced all the way through that water because that's the way God created this world. It is the laws that govern us and the world that, that life hates things out of balance. And so when we as Christians get out of balance, it puts us in a place of immaturity. When we get into this place of living life balanced, stoichion, we're balancing the principles of the kingdom of God. We have reached a place where we no longer need milk. Now we're eating the meat of the kingdom of God. And so as I began to think about this, I, I, first I'm really excited because it's chemistry stuff, but, but secondly, I, I began to think how important it is for us to learn that the kingdom of God is not either or, it's and. It's not just this or that. It's, it's both. And God brings all of those parts and pieces of the kingdom of God together and helps us to live this life that's balanced, that's mature. It's a stoichion. It's, it's the stoichiometry of life, the balance of life. See, God wants you to be in a place where you're not rattled by the occurrences of everyday life. When you're not up and down and all around, you're, you're not rattled by the, the attack of the enemy in your life. You're, you're not rattled when bad things happen to good people. You're, you're not rattled when you have questions that, that you don't necessarily have answers for, that, that something on the inside of you is so balanced and so peaceful that the tumultuous parts of life, they don't have an, an inroad into your life. They don't have an effect on you. That is called being mature in the kingdom of God. And that is what God has in store for all of us. Life is better with balance. Now, in John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at a well. Um, I was about to just go back in the back and mute Pastor Sean because I'm like, dude, don't steal my thunder. I'm getting ready to preach on John chapter 4, but, but uh, I refrained. And so he, Pastor Sean alluded to it a little bit about John chapter 4, the woman at the well. And I want you to turn there. Uh, we're going to unpack this scripture today. And, and I, I want to help us understand how to worship God in the balance of the kingdom. Jesus said that the true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. Not in just spirit or truth, but spirit and truth. 
John chapter 4 set the stage for you. So Jesus walks up, and there's a woman there. And this woman is a Samaritan. Uh, she is what would be considered a half-breed. She is not fully Jewish, but she's a partial breed. And she's a woman. And so 2,000 years ago, before there were equal rights and all those kind of things, the culture of the day looked down. So here, here comes Jesus, who, number one, he is a Jew, talking to a Samaritan. You have to go pretty deep in the ghetto to get... To where he was with this woman. Come on, that was funny. I mean, I practiced Elvis all night long just for that. Okay. He had to get pretty far off the beaten path to get to this woman. So he's a rabbi. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's a man and a Jew talking to a Samaritan woman. And he walks up to her and he says, hey, woman, don't, don't you wish you could just say that nowadays, like you go up to the grocery store and you're like, woman, check me out. I mean, well, not like that, but like, do my, my ring me up, right? Don't, don't go to the grocery store and say, woman, check me out. That, that probably, if, if we said that, guys, we would all have black eyes. Um, don't, just never mind. Don't, don't call any women woman. Just, just say, sweetheart, I love you. The best thing that ever happened to me in my entire life. Jesus walks up and he says, woman, give me a drink of water. And, and so they start this exchange. And what Jesus is doing is he's unpacking for her and for us the balance of worship. What it means to worship in spirit and in truth. See, your life is, is made up of a worship to God. Your lifestyle is a worship to God. What you do on the weekends in a weekend service is, is a worship to God. How you worship the Lord in your own personal time at home, that is a worship to God. And so to be able to live your life in a way that brings God balanced worship is a key to maturity. So he begins to unpack for this woman what it means to be a true worshiper. And we pick up the story in John chapter 4 and verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, you ask a drink from me? See, he was asking for, for her to give him water. What he's doing is he is asking her for worship. He, he's, he's trying, by asking her to give him a drink of water, he's trying to draw out of her the worship that she was created to give. So how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? True worship requires the use of your hands and your feet. See, Jesus is talking to this woman and he says, draw for me some water. Use your hands and draw some worship out. See, your hands are representative of your life's work. What are you doing day to day? What, what is your legacy? What are you leaving? What, what type of worship does your life bring to the Father? Your hands are, are representative of that. It, your heart is, is the thing that drives what your hands do. Or let me say it this way. Your hands begin to be the outworking of your true desires. You build with your hands the things that you worship. 
You build the kingdom of God, then you are a worshiper of God. You build your own kingdom, then if we're being honest, you're really worshiping yourself. And see, God is trying to help this woman understand and help us today understand that our hands, what our life's work is about, it signifies what our, our worship is, our true worship. It's attached to our heart. So not only is our worship a part of our heart and what we do with our hands, but it's also a part of what we do with our feet. See, this, this woman, it's interesting because here she is, and she's, she's, trying to, she's trying to deal with the external. She's trying to bring worship from the outside in instead of the inside out. See, Jesus is talking about the living water on the inside, but she's talking about the water in the ground. And sometimes in our lives, as we try to bring balanced worship to God, sometimes we can get confused and, and mixed up. Sometimes the culture of a church or the culture of a group of people can dictate how people worship instead of the heart of that person. So the hands represent what your, your life's work is. But then Jesus said to the woman, verse 15, she, or she said to him, rather, the woman said, Sir, give me this water, this living water, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw anymore. And Jesus said to her, verse 16, Then go call your husband and come here. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. She didn't pull her iPhone out and say, Siri, dial my husband. She didn't do that. When the scripture says, go call your husband, that wasn't 561-745-3035. That's a church number, not my home number. Don't call. You have like 800 messages. Um, when he said, go call your husband, he, he meant like put one foot in front of the other and run down to Samaria and get her. So the better translation for us today would be run and get your husband. Now, Jesus is now switched from what she's doing with her hands, the work of her life as a worship to him. And now he's beginning to deal with feet. And the feet of a person are significant because it tells us where you're going. Your worship and where you're going in life matters to God. See, you need to have the work of your hands bring worship to God, but you also need to have the direction of your life bring worship to God. It's not just the weekend service and what I do with my heart and my hands that matters. It's what I do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday in the direction of my life, how I treat people in town, how I operate in my business. That balance is what brings true worship to God. So he begins to talk to her about go and get your husband. Where are your feet taking you? Go call your husband and come here. Verse 17. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, well, yeah, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one in whom you are with now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Jesus starts to unpack for her her life's work and her direction and how her life is bringing worship to something. It's an important question for us to ask. What are the work of my hands bringing worship to? What, are, what is the direction of my feet, my life's direction? What is it bringing worship to? See, in, in her story, in her instance, she was trying to quench a spiritual thirst with a natural means. She was trying to quench this need to worship God and, and connect with Jesus. She was 
trying to quench that with, with just mere water from a well. She had the order mixed up. She was going from the outside in instead of the inside out. Natural things do not quench a supernatural thirst. Let me say it to you this way. The natural actions that you see in a church aren't necessarily worship. People jumping on the front row, which I have my fair share of, is not necessarily worship. It's only worship when you jump on the front row because you didn't see somebody else, but because it's a motive of your heart. It's not necessarily worship when it's just lifting your hands because you feel like the only one who's not. See, there's got to be something on the inside of you that, that says, I just want to surrender to God. I just want to lift my hands and say, God, I, I want more of you in my life. And th there's got to be that part of us as true worshipers that, that desires God spiritually and truth. True worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. Let me say it this way. True worshipers have an emotional connection with God, but they also have the guardrails of the word of God. And that balance of truth and spirit is what makes us a true worshiper of God. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. This is her heart. She's in this instance, this interaction with Jesus, and he has basically just prophesied to her that she has had five husbands and that the one she's with now is not her husband. And her response is, driven from her heart. I perceive that you're a prophet. And then something interesting happens. She completely changes the, the course of the conversation. Verse 20. She says, Our fathers, they worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Now her head is starting to get involved. Her heart is trying to worship this guy that she perceives to be a prophet, but then something in her head starts to, to try to talk about the location of worship. There's this spiritual and this natural dichotomy that's beginning to develop for her, and the same thing happens for us today as well too. See, true worship, it requires the use of your heart and your head. Let me say that again. True worship requires the use of your heart and your head. There's got to be a part of you that your heart opens to God and you can have an emotional connection. That you can let your walls down and you can be vulnerable with the Lord and, and you can take a step forward with God and surrender. You, you can have an aggressive love affair with Jesus and your worship. But then there's also the part of your head that processes the events of the day, that processes the, the course of your life, that, that thinks about the kingdom of God, that interprets scripture, that, that finds the guardrails of life, that help us stay within the balance of the kingdom of God, that keep us from getting into a place of an extreme. You know, I, I hear people say you can never get too much of a good thing. What a fallacy. You can never get too much of a good thing. You can never have too much worship. Let me explain something to you. If all a person ever did was sing holy and cry and worship in an auditorium and they never did anything with their feet, there was no life's work, that's not worship to God. 
Let me say it to you this way. You, you can come in here in a weekend and you can cry holy and stream tears down your face. But, but when you go to work on Monday and you're mean and nasty to the people around you, that's not true worship. When, when your head doesn't allow you to worship God in character and integrity and the way that you treat the people that interact with you, the, the way that you minister the gospel to those who are lost, the, the way that you treat the people who honk at you at the red lights, what's up with this stuff? Don't honk at me at a red light. I know, it's green. I'm going to go. Give me like two seconds to get my foot off the brake. One Mississippi, two Mississippi gas pedal. Thank you. How we treat people is worship. See, if all you have is just worship by your head, your mind, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? If all you have is just the truth side of that, but you never have this spiritual, emotional connection, you become very dry. You become very... um, Uh, structured, and there's nothing wrong with structure, but you become very structured in a place where it inhibits the move of God in your life because your box has been sealed. And God is trying to get into your box and and help you have a connection with him. It's an imbalance to be so truth-oriented that you never have a spiritual connection. It is as imbalanced to be so truth-oriented, head-oriented, that you never have a spiritual connection as it is to be so spiritually connected that you can't interpret Scripture and let it become your guideline. See, the kingdom of God is not either or, it's and. And true maturity is the ability to take two polarizing things out of the kingdom of God and apply them to life and normal, everyday life for the king. Make your lifestyle worship to God. How many guys have ever... You've ever known someone, and I'm not mad at you if you're this way, I encourage you to grow through this, but you've, you've known someone that was so spiritually minded they were no earthly good. Like, dude, don't talk to me in King James English. Just speak normal. Hello. Like, don't float on a cloud. Be as aggressive as you can with the Lord. But, but how about just balancing out just a little bit? Or you've spoken to someone in the kingdom of God that they're so dogmatic about some, some version of the Bible. Like, if the King James Version Bible was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. You'll get that on the way home. There was no King James Version Bible for Paul. Come on, he wrote it, people. Okay. Just trying to help you. True worship requires the use of our heart and our head. True worship is a love affair of both the heart and the mind. The heart is the emotional connection with the Spirit of God, and the head is the ability to comprehend the truth of God. Strong affections for God rooted in truth. You know, I love this, like you go to a sporting event, and nobody sits in a sporting event like this. Right? You know, we paint our bellies blue, and we shake around, we're like, yeah, go! I hate LeBron! And, and um, sorry, sorry, it's just, it's just like a shot to the heart. Um, and so we get in these sporting events, and, and, and we have this level of emotional connection. But how many of you guys know that sometimes it goes too far? Like if somebody rips their clothes off and runs across the field, it's gone too far. Right? 
And we're like, whoa, dude, I love the excitement, but curb your enthusiasm and put some clothes on. The the same thing in, in our worship. We need to be excited about God. We need to be emotionally connected with God. But there are some things that are reserved for your private bedroom. There are some levels of intimacy and worship that just need to be between you and God in the privacy of your own home. So I'm not saying that you you don't go as far as you can go spiritually with God. I'm just saying that you have to learn how to balance life out so that you can be effective for the kingdom of God. In the privacy of your home, I encourage you to go as deep as you can go with God. Be naked before him, if you will. Completely vulnerable before him. But when you come in a corporate gathering, allow the balance of the truth of the word of God to help you. Don't let the culture cause you to worship this way or that way. Let your heart and what scripture says be the plumb line for how you worship God. It's worshiping in spirit and in truth. Last scripture, John 4, 23, Jesus said this, that the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, when you take the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we bring our worship to the Father first. Just like Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, you pray to the Father in Jesus' name. So the worship of our lives primarily is to the Father God. But in order for us to bring proper worship to the Father, we have to have relationship with the Spirit. True worshipers worship in spirit. And in order to bring proper worship to the Lord, our life is a proper worship. Not only do we have to have worship in spirit, but we also have to have worship in truth. And truth is the word of God and is Jesus. And I don't know if you catch this or not, but the true worship of the Father God has to happen with both the word of God, Jesus, and the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, operating in our lives. The Bible says in John chapter 14 that the Spirit does nothing outside of what the Word, Jesus, says. And what Jesus says, the Holy Spirit does. And so those two aspects of the kingdom are what bring proper worship to God in His fullness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. True worship is spirit and truth. And we must worship God in that. It is the only worship that is acceptable. Life is better with balance. The kingdom of God is not either or. The kingdom of God is and. Our worship connection to the Father has to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And our worship connection to the Father has to be guided by the word of God, Jesus. In every area of our life, we bring worship to something. So this weekend, I want to encourage you to bring your worship to God. I want to give you an opportunity here in just a minute. Wherever you are in your worship to God, I want to encourage you to take a step further. Maybe you have been a person who is very spiritually connected in your worship. But when it comes to the truth of the word of God and the guardrails that that provides, it doesn't set well with you. 
there's, there's a resistance inside of you that says, no, I want to do what I want to do, and I don't want even the Word of God to give me guardrails. That's a huge place of growth. Or maybe you're the type of person in your worship that you have been in the guardrails of the truth of the Word of God, and you've been reticent to step out and worship God by the Holy Spirit. Both of those ditches are bad and they're unbalanced. So wherever you are today, maybe you need to come out of this hyper-truth-oriented environment and have an emotional connection with God. Maybe you need to tone your emotional connection, God, with down and allow the framework of the Word of God to guide you. Wherever you are today, you got to take a step forward. Let's stand up on our feet together. Father, I thank you for the precepts of the kingdom of God, the principles of the kingdom of God, the way that you have constructed the kingdom to operate. Father, I pray today that as a church that is poised to take this city for your name and for your glory, God, that we would be true worshipers, God, that we would bring the fullness of our lives. We would be as spiritually aggressive as possible, and we would be as aggressive for truth as possible, and we would be as aggressive in those areas combined together as we could possibly be balanced in love with you. If you're here this weekend and as I teach this message, there's something on the inside of you that, that, that says, I know that there are barriers to my worship. There's something on the inside of you that says, I know that there's a step further for me to take. I mean, if we're being completely honest, every single person from me to Melissa to the staff to uh, the person who just got born again in the last service, we all have steps of growth to take in our worship. So you're here this weekend and, and you're just stirred on the inside to, to take a step of, of growth in your worship. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you or call you to the front. just want to pray for you. Yeah, go ahead. Lift them up nice and high for just a second. A lot of people. Father, you can put your hands down. Father, I thank you for these people, true worshipers, God, that they worship you with their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength, that the guardrails of the truth of the word of God would guide them as their hearts and their emotions and their spirits connect with you as powerfully as they can. Lord Jesus, I pray that this group of people, that they would rise up in this generation as a worshiping group, God, that would lead people in holy worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, God, that our worship would draw the world into these services, God. Those who have never connected with you would see the trueness of our worship, God, the purity of our worship, and they would be drawn to the throne of Jesus. God, that our worship would not be a work of our flesh or our desires, but it would be a work of our heart, and it would be guided by the word of truth. And I bless you, and I thank you for it. Now, here's what I want you to do. Wherever you are, I want you to take a step further in God. We're going to sing this song here in just a second. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands and I want you to move forward in your worship to God. If you've never had an emotional connection, then I encourage you to open your heart and allow yourself to connect. Your emotions are not bad. God gave them to you. They should never be in the driver's seat, but they can be in the passenger seat of your life. 
So maybe you need to lift your hands and surrender to God. Maybe you need to take a knee and bow to God in honor and respect. Wherever you are, as we sing this song, I want you to take a step forward. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, reach out to him today. Reach out to him. you to take those steps forward in this place. It's a a safe environment. We are here for you. God is here for you. Wherever you are in your worship, take those steps forward. If you've never lifted your hands and surrendered to God, then I encourage you. You cannot find a place that would be more encouraging for that surrender to God than this house. If you've never kneeled down before the Lord, I encourage you, kneel down before God this morning. Take a step further. If you've never wept as Jesus wept for Jerusalem, you've never wept for the Lord, I encourage you to allow that to to open up in your heart. Bring your guard down and allow yourself as we sing this song to progress forward in your worship.
we worship you today. We bring the best of our lives to you, the best of our worship to you, God. Our hearts we deliver over to you today. Father, that you would work through us for this generation, that you would gift us, God, to reach a generation for your name and for your glory. God, as we lift Jesus high, may you draw all people to the cross. God, let us be known as a church of worship. Let us be known as a church that reaches the generations. We honor you and we thank you for it today. If you're here this weekend and you have never given your life over to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to lift your hand up with all of your passion, all of your might, all of your heart. So you're here this weekend and inside of your heart, you are stirring. You don't know exactly what's happening, but you can sense that something inside of you, just as Jesus was drawing that water out of the well of that woman's heart, today Jesus is drawing the well of living water out of you. And today is your chance. Today is your opportunity. This is your moment. This is your season. You're not here by accident. God has brought you to this place. He drew you to this place to connect with him right now. And this moment is going to be the rest of your life. It is the first day of what God has for you. So you're here today, number one, and you don't have a relationship with God. Number two, God's stirring in your heart. And number three, lift up your hand because you need a connection with him. Come on, lift them up all over this place. Thank you, ma'am. So proud of you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else this weekend, you need a relationship with God. He's stirring in your heart. Maybe you're here and your relationship with God is veered off course. If that's you, lift your hand up so we can pray for you today. Come on, Generation Church, let's encourage our brothers and sisters one more time. So proud of you. So proud of you. The scripture says this, that if you can say with your words what's happening on the inside of your heart. You can make that confession of faith that something supernatural happens. That when you can confess that Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and that he died for you, when you make that profession of faith, supernaturally God takes you from the kingdom of the devil and puts you into the kingdom of heaven. It's what the Bible calls being born again. And so I want to help you this weekend. Say with your words what's happening on the inside of your heart. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, you know you need a relationship with God. I want you to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it with all of your heart. I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Pray it nice and loud. Those of you joining us by video, if God's stirring in your heart, I want you to pray with us this weekend. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Say, Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Forgive me of all of my wrongs and make me a new person. Help me to be a person of true worship that my life is an honor to you, God, and my destiny and purpose are lived out to the fullest capability. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we welcome our brothers and sisters into the kingdom?